0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks. is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to PricePix.com slash Locked On NBA and use the code Locked On NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
2: And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is June 6, 2018. My name is Philip Rostenreich. I'm the expert insight editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And of course, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. NBA Finals Game 3 is tonight at 9. We'll talk all about that on tomorrow's episode, but today I wanted to talk a little bit about culture building. It's obviously something I've talked a lot about on this podcast, uh, especially when it concerns the Magic. And uh, one of our staff writers on, or, at Orlando Magic Daily uh, does a little bit something about culture building because another team that he writes about and follows is it probably has one of the best cultures in the NHL, I would say, or at least one of the more consistent team performances in the NHL. So, we're bringing in here Orlando Magic Daily's Zach Bethel. He also writes for the Tampa Bay Lightning blog, Raw Charge. Zach, how are you doing today?
3: I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited to be here and excited to get going.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I, I know when I had you, I, I had you write this article. Um, just you know, because I, I, I follow the Lightning. I mean, I'm uh, unlike some Orlando residents, I think. Um, I follow the Lightning, and, and what they've really done over the last few, probably, what, five or six years
3: mm-hmm. um,
2: has been really impressive. It's, it's been super consistent. They they had one trip to the Stanley Cup final. They've been to the conference finals several times. Uh, for those that may not be familiar, um, what, what is it like being a Tampa Bay Lightning fan these days?
3: <laughs> it's pretty nice, because as far as you know, Central Florida sports goes, I'm kind of a fan of just all the pro teams in Central Florida, so... Usually that life can be pretty sad, <laughs> but I thankfully have the lightning to satisfy all my postseason wants, I suppose.
2: <laughs> yeah, and and obviously they they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals this year. Unfortunately, fell short against the Washington Capitals mm-hmm. in seven games. Uh, but you know, even though uh, you know, even though I think everyone considered the Lightning favorites to win the Stanley Cup, it, you know, hockey's hard. It's hard to win a Stanley Cup in, yeah. in hockey uh, yeah. just because I, I'm still amazed that that they play an 82 game schedule. Uh, mm-hmm. with, with the physical toll that they have to take in that sport. Um, still considered a successful season. It's how, how many? How, how often have they been to the conference finals lately?
3: Well, this is the th- uh, three out of the last four years, I think, they're in the Eastern Conference. Um, they missed out on the playoffs last year. Just kind of an odd season. Nothing was really clicking. There's some major injuries here and there. Um, but before that, they lost to the Penguins, um, who eventually won. Uh, the year before that, I think, was when we played Chicago on um, the Stanley Cup and I think before that was the Bruins we lost and maybe a so, couple yeah. games seven. yeah so yeah I mean they' just been knocking on the door the last couple of years. They just can't quite get there and grab that title.
2: yeah and, and obviously the I mean the lightning for those, of those that may not know, the Lightning have won a Stanley Cup before and it's you know I think it's it, it, their story is, is so interesting to me because mm-hmm. Tampa is not a typical hockey market. I would say Florida, Florida, you don't think Florida and hockey together. And yet, you know, you know, I I work uh, my day job. I work at a news station. We do some Tampa stuff and the lightning are everywhere. Like Mm -hmm. it's it's really amazing how they've captured that city's attention. And and to me, that speaks to a, a really big belief. In in the franchise's culture, in the franchise's ability to build, and of course, the results on the ice matter too. I mean, you're mm-hmm. you, you're rarely going to see a team fill a stadium and, and capture the heart of a city if they're getting you know beat if they're not even making the playoffs every year. So that obviously results matter. But um, tell us a little bit about the story. Like, where did this story this this run for the Tampa Bay Lightning begin? And is it really about that change in that change in culture or, or whatever you want to call it?
3: yeah well it's funny you mentioned uh when you're in tampa it, it is just all over the place um and it's it's kind of funny because you would imagine maybe if you're not from there or go there often you would think to see maybe buccaneers stuff all over the place or rays or whatever you have you but um yeah the the town just eats it up and it's it's quite a fun time being a fan because you it, it being a non-traditional market it's just kind of its own niche and so it's pretty fun um I, I'm sure if you know if you're an NHL fan you might have saw Nashville's run last year and seeing Nashville on the national stage of all this country music and stuff like it's pretty neat to see just not hockey not traditional hockey markets thriving in their own unique I ways. I I remember so,
2: I remember people going crazy when Carolina fans were tailgating outside the Stanley Cup final.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah
2: like like everyone brings their own twist to this thing.
3: Yeah for sure. Um, so it's pretty neat especially for Tampa. Um some people call it Hockey Paradise, Hockey Bay. It's all there. Um, and so, when really the the restart, the re revamping of the franchise, I guess, is kind of about six years ago. Uh, Jeff Finnick took over, um, and yeah, that's that's really the genesis of of what we're seeing culminate now. Um, and I mean, you look at just the last five years, the same GM, same head coach. Um, so he was able to come in and establish an incredible foundation with his personnel. And then from th- then on have had a lot of staying power and it's just kind of worked out since.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, obvi- I mean, for those that don't know, Tampa did win a Stanley cup. I think it was what, 2004, 2003. Uh,
3: um, Yep. That season. Yeah. Um,
2: it, so it, it wasn't like they hadn't experienced success before, but there's this, this long—not long, but there was this, this sizable down period
3: where mm-hmm. yeah.
2: the team was kind of in and out. I mean, they still had some of the remnants of those championship teams, Vincent LeCavlier, Martin Saint-Louis. Um, they did get lucky. They did get the top pick in Stephen Stamkos one year, and, and he's obviously mm-hmm. a huge, uh, one of the best players in the entire league. But um, it didn't seem that long ago that, that Stamkos was going to be on his way out, that he was kind of a, you know, like so many other players in the NBA— the yeah. disgruntled star trying to get out of the bad situation. So, what exactly did that new that new management that new ownership do? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, stability matters. But what did they do to to, to kind of turn that around?
3: Yeah. Well, so you have the you have the Stanley Cup win two thousand three two thousand four, and that was kind of a team that was people were buying, but maybe not as a actual legit contender. Um, so you know, great story. Them Southern Hockey Team in the cup. Um, the next two years or so, um, made the postseason. Um, but there's a little bit of writing on the wall. And management, as far as the um, ownership goes, I think at the end of 2007, maybe I think they tried selling the team and it didn't go through or something like that. And then I think they did, in fact, sell the team in 2008. Uh, but during that time, there was um, John Tortorella, uh, the head coach. He was um, – he departed at that time there's a decent amount of stars that kind of depart departed around that time that were obviously a huge makeup of the Stanley cup team so it was kind of unfortunate because it's like you're seeing all this f- fan favorite players and personnel and they're leaving so that that kind of was a struggle um and then of course i think they they don't break over 500 for the next like three years or something like that um so they're struggling to sell tickets and this and that but when Jeff Finnick did uh, obtain the team, he did have Steven Stamkos and Victor Hedman, which are, I mean, the two, arguably two of the most instrumental players on the team now, um, and two of the best at their position in the league. Um, and then you tack on an incredible goaltender, Andrey in Andre Vasilevsky, um, Nikita Kucherov, who great forward, almost, in my opinion, should have finished top five in MVP voting. I thought he got short change of that. Um, but when Fendick came in, he he did have those two stars that he was sort of able to like all right well here's our diamond in the rough um and he i was reading an interview with him i think it might have been sports illustrated he kind of talked about why he sort of chose Tampa cuz i if my understanding he was sort of raised a Bruins fan and had lived in Boston or sometime but he's saying it wasn't exactly his dream ever to own that team um so he was so he found himself at Tampa cuz he he thought there's a lot of potential in the area with um just I mean it's a huge sports market obviously um, and there's there's so many people from so many different places and stuff like that it's it's sort of like when they were debating on putting a team in Vegas I was like that's just a no-brainer because you're gonna have so many people just as far as tourists go so um, I mean you look at the magic there I there's got to be a decent amount of tourists just at games and stuff I mean, and that's itself.
2: I mean most magic I mean most people even even people in Orlando that I talk to and I say the magic finished I think it was 16th in attend in total attendance this year.
3: Yep, mm-hmm. Um they, like they
2: that. had an average of more than I mean at least announced attendance. Um, they had an average of more than 90% capacity, which for a 25 win team, a team that hasn't competed in six years, <laughs> is incredible. Yeah. And I think I mean I think some fans are annoyed by this, and and I think it's that's that's fair. Um, but the, the magic as an organization do an incredible job selling the team to tourists and and keep that mm-hmm. building full. Mm-hmm. And you know I, I've I've kind of often told people that that kind of laugh at me when I say this. I'm like look. Magic fandom is pretty healthy. When this team gets good again, fans are going to respond. It, it, like, everyone's yeah. just hungry for a good team. I mean, team won 29 games two years ago, c- clearly didn't, maybe didn't have a better team this year, sold out opening night against Miami. And maybe that was mm-hmm. Miami, but, mm-hmm. but I mean, the number of sell offs that they had this year, like, I remember I'd be looking around the stadium on like a random Wednesday against even like Sacramento or against a team <laughs> that didn't have star power. And I'd be like, This building's kind of full. Like, it's not sold out, like definitely not sold out, but a lot more people than you would expect. And so, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: you know, attacking that tourist market, I mean, it's a business too. You got to sell what you can sell. Um, But kind of continuing on that path, uh, what was it about the changes that they made that seemed to, I mean, like you said, it it seemed like they were beginning to turn this team around, uh, both from a business standpoint and their reach in the the Tampa community, um, but also on the ice. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and like I said before, you know, you have Stamkos and Hedman, um, two obviously foundational players. You know they could potentially be franchise faces, um, and it's definitely Stamkos. That was that was huge. Um, so Jeff Finnick hires two of, I mean, incredibly perfect individuals for their positions. Um, Steve Weiserman as GM. Um, so he, you know, Detroit Red Wing fame. Uh, he's a legend there. Um, three Stanley Cups as a uh, player, one, I think, within the front office. Um, so he retired Before years before, ago. Before,
2: before you get that, um, Go ahead. For, those, those, for those that are not hockey literate, hiring Steve <laughs> Eisman to be the, the GM of the team is akin to, say, like hiring, I don't know, uh, like a Tim Duncan almost.
3: Yeah, because because yeah. like
2: the Red Wings until what two three years ago not even that long to like two years ago had made the playoffs every year for twenty straight years that the Red uh-huh. Wings are like the Boston Red Sox of hockey mm-hmm. um, that 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 is the venerated cheap franchise that just you expect them to win titles I mean Detroit is called Titletown Town because of the Red Wings <laughs> uh, so that's who Steve Eiserman is for for the non hockey literate um, go on
3: <laughs> <laughs> and what's so surprising about that too you mentioned Tim Duncan like if he were to take a front office position, you couldn't imagine him going anywhere else but San Antonio. Um, So it was kind of surprising that – so Ken Holland, who's um, Detroit's GM, and is heralded as this uh, incredible figure because he was able to put together the rosters that won won so many championships. Um, And it was surprising that they were able to get Eisenman to the Bolts because it was kind of seeing as, okay, Holland might retire, um, and Eisenman had taken – a space as assistant and stuff like that. You there was kind of that succession there. So it was incredible that we were able to tack him on as head GM. Uh, and there might have been I don't know if there's contract issues or something. I I can't quite recall, but that that was I mean, as far as acquisitions go and just for that important of a position, that's kind of just as best better as it gets really
1: part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, and, and it felt like it was a splashy name. I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i sure brand kind of a brand new guy that they, they weren't quite 100% sure it was going to work out, but it, it, it definitely paid off dividends and it definitely <laughs> worked. And so getting the right leadership in, obviously a huge part of the lightning like you said they had some good players already in the in the hole already on the team so it's not directly comparable to to what the magic have gone through but uh you know even though it's a different sport even though it's very i mean very different in a lot of ways um you know you follow both teams what is it that the lightning got right in kind of their 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 decided reset that the Magic got wrong. was mm-hmm. it? I mean, obviously the Magic didn't have a star in waiting and, and had to play the lottery game and, and whether they played it right or not is a debate for another day. But uh, mm-hmm. what, what was it about? I mean, the Lightning very easily could have decided, you know, we're, we're going to get rid of Steven Stamkos. Uh, you know, we're not winning. We're not going to win here for a while. We're going to do this complete teardown or or whatever. Um, but obviously, too, they needed to change something else about that team because what they were doing wasn't working anymore.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it really comes in... For me, personally, I always felt like um, Rob Hennigan with the Magic. It felt like a little quick, almost like a little bit of an abrasive rebuild. Like it, And although it was kind of acknowledged, okay, this needs to happen. Let's let's uh, go to ground zero. But it always kind of felt a little rushed to me. Um, and I, I think just between the trades and, you know, everyone knows how all that goes down. But I think with Steve Eisman with the Lightning, it, it was sort of... He's just as smart as it gets in hockey operations. Obviously, the guy has lived and breathed the sport his whole life, um, so there's obviously a lot of trust in the guy. He's had success at every level, and he knows what it needs to be get done. Uh, so there, everyone really bought into that, and everyone really bought into because um, again, this is sort of a tumultuous time. The the team had was sold two years previously, and so you, there's kind of like the sense that I don't know is this is Jeff Finnick going to come in here and kind of take the spare spare parts, you know. Um, So there's hesitancy at first, but he really established, like, hey, we're going to – no nonsense. We're doing what we need to do, and we're going to get there at some point. Um, And so you saw that in the draft. You see that in off-season decisions and trade moves and stuff like that. And he just – he's unbelievable. (laughs) He just takes what he wants sometimes, and it's – he's – I mean – Maybe my fandom's a little blurring, (laughs) but I honestly, at least like 90% of his decisions, I've been like, that's just incredible. I don't don't know. So many just, I mean, so um, take, for example, there was the NHL expansion draft this year. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights got a team, obviously incredible run in the Stanley Cup. Um, And I think, so expansion draft, you know, you're taking a player from every team in the league. I think for the NHL this year, it was, you got to protect... Six forwards and maybe two defensemen and a goalie or something along those lines, Um, and so we gave them gave away Jason Garrison I think maybe a draft pick, Um, and they didn't actually and he was he was a pretty you know plug and play defender uh, not flashy or anything, Um, and he they didn't end up even using him in their run so (laughs) it's kind of funny that he was like well we have this piece and we don't quite need it and it's it's incredible that Vegas didn't even need that piece either so he's just. Always on the better end of the deal, really.
2: Yeah, it it, it always seems like it it, it does come down to making that right decision with personnel. I mean, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's a person. It's all about personnel. It's. I mean, you you, you could you could have the great greatest coach in the world, you can have a a smart front office, but at the end of the day, it's about how your team comes together and and, Mm -hmm. and what your team can do. Like you can have. You know, like I think a lot of people, even with this Magic team, uh, is a great example. A lot of people entering the season this year kind of said the Magic were probably too good to tank, but not good enough to actually challenge for a playoff. And and yeah, you know, I I, I don't know. How, I mean, I'm sure you have your own opinions on the players, but like I think a lot of the Magic players are good players. And and uh, I think honestly, one of the great contradictions of this year was just how good a lot of them played individually.
0: But mm-hmm. as a unit, yeah.
2: they just aren't good enough. They they're missing that last piece, and and that's I think one of the big things a lot of people are talking about with the draft and finding that right chemistry and picking the right guys. Whether it's through the draft, I mean they had what they had Ben Bishop for a long time, and and mm-hmm. he was a fantastic goalie and, and got them yeah. to this uh, got them to the Stanley Cup final to the Eastern Conference finals a, a year after that, I think. Um, but. They knew they had Andre Vasilevsky behind them, and, and they put and they took a gamble. I think mm-hmm. letting Bishop go and picking Vasilevsky, and that turned out to be a great move. Um, yeah. So you yeah. need you need to make these good decisions, and, and obviously, some. I mean, not all of it's luck. It's 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 being shrewd and, and smart with with the assets that you have available to you, whether it's through the draft or free agency or or, or on on the roster in your minor league system.
3: Mm-hmm. And I think that's it's one of the uh, reasons why Isra is so effective is he he kind of knows exactly what he's willing to risk. Uh, and he, he's very conscientious, conscientious about all, all of his decisions. So with Ben Bishop, it was like, well, we could pay him. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's worth paying. I, I forget what the totals were and stuff. Or we could just let him go. He eventually found himself at uh, Dallas. Um, but Vassie there it was just like – for because a lot of the times, you know, you have your starting goalie and your backup goalie. Starting goalie gets, you know – and it really depends on between the relationship, but maybe let's say 80% of the starts in a year, um, they were seen as 1A and 1B just because both goaltenders were just so efficient and so well put together. And obviously, Ben Bishop had taken us to the Cup, um, helped us win two games there. There was just this understanding that Vassie had already proven himself at the age of like 22 and was showed even more that his ceiling was just even that much higher so it was unfortunate seeing him go um but it was i I, it was a good you know it's a business decision at the end of the day um and that was that was the same thing with the expansion draft earlier it was tough seeing jason garrison go because some of these guys so instrumental to the team and getting to where they have been in the eastern conference finals and it, it sucks that they can't share in the in the success but um going back to you know how his draft decisions and what you're saying about magic players. And I I do agree. I think there's a surprising amount of talent and with the individual games. Um, but with Steve Eisman, he, there's a huge trend uh, on hockey IQ with who he picks for players. Um, and he hasn't always picked the most conventional players. Um, you take Tyler Johnson, who's excellent forward for us. Um, time and time again, it's consistent. He's like five, uh, Ten, <laughs> I don't know. He's like 100, and probably barely breaking 180 pounds. He, he can't be very big. Um, I don't. Th- he wasn't drafted, um, and that's a cool story in itself. Uh, but he found a guy, and he was like, I, "I undrafted rookie is for him to go and do what he's done for the team is is pretty stellar." Um, and so he saw that this guy, he obviously has hockey smarts, and he, and he's got the determination. So I think hockey IQ has been. You look at generally the team, and just all these guys can read the 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 uh, ice so well, uh, read what's going on, understanding, and uh, obviously among having fantastic footwork and puck handling skills and whatnot. So I think it'll be interesting to see where the Magic go as far as just basketball IQ and understanding the game, um, at least with this personality. It, it should be fun. And, I mean, we'll see if the front office kind of – how they go about with their decision-making. Um, but there's always upside in – and smarts, I guess. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. No, I and I think I think have I mean, you don't want to be a slave I mean, I think when it came to Rob Hennigan, like you said, I, I think the magic tried to speed things up too quickly. I think they thought they had a timeline and whether mm-hmm. it was Hennigan or whether it was ownership and, and you know, I think plenty of people have surmised it's ownership. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think they believed there was a set timeline and benchmarks they had to meet. And they didn't yeah. let things take their natural—not not necessarily a natural course, because there's a point where you do have to not push your chips in like the magic did, but push guys to take that next step. Or, or and, and Scott Skiles' hire, I think, mm-hmm. was a great example of that. Um, they hired a coach that was going to be a lot more demanding and get them to that next level. And in fairness, I kind of think they got there. Whether that's fair, whether that's that's fair or not, but. Um, yeah. They didn't let, but then they didn't let that continue to grow. I mean, and mm-hmm. I think Skiles. I remember Skiles saying, and Skiles resigning. I don't. I think threw a wrench in that as well. Um, but I remember Skiles saying after after the season ended that year, you know, getting from twenty five to thirty five wins is easy. Getting from thirty five to forty five wins is the hard part. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's kind of where the magic got s- both stalled out. Obviously, they stalled out because they're they're back down into the twenties again. Um, <laughs> but but that's where they got antsy and didn't didn't trust their process uh, so to speak um, yeah that, that, that phrase that phrase actually does mean something guys um, it's, not a, <laughs> it's not just a slogan uh, you know obviously the magic of new management now and Jeff weltman and John Hammond they took last year really to evaluate their roster didn't really change a lot if I mean let's say Jeff weltman John Hammond are, are, are looking at what the lightning did or, or what and what any successful team might do. Um and trying to build a, build a culture, what is their next step now? What what is what is it that they have to do to achieve the success that that like the lightning did or or, or like so many other teams did? Is it is it simply, you know, some people would say go back to the lottery until you win it. Some people would say, you know, do this do this that or the other thing or go in on a star again right now. Uh, what mm-hmm. what is it that they have to do next in your opinion?
3: Yeah, well, I mean. The most major news coming out of their camp obviously this uh, in the last couple of weeks is the hiring of St- Steve Clifford and I, I think that is sort of the next step obviously they Vogel wasn't exactly their guy they didn't hire him so I think you know there's this inclination that oh the front office they have their guy now and they um, they hired him and this and that um, so with the lightning uh, guy Boucher was a head coach for um, their 2012. Eastern Conference run or something? Mm-hmm. Like I, when they um, lost to
2: the Bruins, right?
3: I think so. Yeah, um, and I think we missed the playoff. I think we just played awful the next year or something like that. Um, so because of that, there was a look at this immense success, and then oh shoot, there's we were bad again. <laughs> um, and Boucher, so they, and
2: like if I'm if, if, sorry for butting in here, but Boucher, mm-hmm. if I'm not under not if I'm not misremembering, that was like his first head coaching job. Like he was relatively new. Am, yeah. I, am I
3: wrong? Um, I think so. He must have been, um, at least within the confines of the NHL. I think he might've been assistant somewhere. Um, yeah. And then he went on to, he's at Ottawa now. I'm not, I'm not sure if he's, if he's still there. (laughs) Um, but he, he went to the Swedish league for a little bit, but basically he was there for three years and then, and that was, they realized we have to kind of restart and go get a new, uh, bench boss. And, I forget the gentleman's name. There was someone there for a year, and it was interim, and it, it didn't really work out. Um, and then came uh, John Cooper. And so this is we're all like to the magic now. You you have Steve Clifford. Um, so when the Lightning brought in John Cooper, he has only really just coached ever, <laughs> yeah. um, but he has he's it's a pretty remarkable story. Um, he's he was this lawyer. <laughs> And kind of one day I was just like, I'm going to go coach hockey. And that <laughs> he went from just literally every level you could think of just making it all the way up to the NHL. And we've had him for six years now. Um, and so I, I think anyone can agree that the Magic would just love some staying power uh, as far as head coach goes. Um, and I think Steve Clifford definitely provides that. And so with John Cooper, you had seen him been successful at all these minor league levels, um, the AHL and the semis and stuff like that. And it was comforting to see, okay, this guy obviously knows just you put him into a coaching situation, he'll be able to figure it out because he's been able to educate um, and grow younger players games uh, and at different levels in this and whatever. So that was pretty big. And I remember when it wasn't a splashy hire, it was sort of like this guy has been in our farm system and he did well at uh, the Syracuse Crunch who are AHL affiliates. So it was like he's okay, he seems solid and we're confident, and he's consistent, um, and so the combination of his steadfastness in the last couple of years and Steve Iversman's smarts with um, talent and what whatnot—it's—it's just—it's been just as about as good as it gets. Um, and so, hopefully, the, the Magic can look forward to. I mean, uh, again, front office will start getting their picks and start really getting an eye of what this team identity is going to be. But Steve Clifford will will definitely ho- hopefully. Kind of assume that John Cooper, like I'm just, I'm going to be this rock, and we're going to get these players growing and going, and uh, start finding an identity and a scheme. Realistically,
2: it, I mean, I I've said this a million times about about Jacques Vaughn, that that he was kind of the original mm-hmm. sin. Is it is it how important is it to to have this coaching hire be right? That Steve Clifford is the guy that's going to be here for. You know his contract runs four years, so that he's going to be here for all four of those years, for five years, for six years, and 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 really grow this team at least to a point where they have that identity and, and they they have experienced success.
3: Yeah, and you know it's <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I think with anything, you know, there's been talk about what he's been able to do with the Hornets. Um, I think the thing that I'm most hopeful for is his consistency. And he's shown provenly that his teams have been at least above average, slightly average and above average here and there on the offensive side and defensive side of the court. And so I think with him, as far as timetable goes, um, I mean, what's the timetable for rebuild? (laughs) That's a good question because I mean, it's different in every case. Um, So it's going to be really hard to tell what this team is going to look like and where it might be within the next couple of years. I mean, I think we have an idea of seeing how, how he's, you know, what he's done, Charlotte, and I think that's obviously a base of what we can kind of come to expect. Um so I honestly I I'm a big fan of the hire and again maybe that's just some blind hopefulness. <laughs> but uh, as opposed to a lot of people thought it was kind of drab or kind of why do you go here? You got a guy who's not really winning. Um but I'm I'm pretty confident in the sense that I, Again, that consistency thing. I think you just – people have said he's a great X's and O's guy, and I love that. You're setting the foundation, and eventually you get more and more comfortable with all these repetitions through your days in and days out. And as long as you have him who's consistently pushing his mottos and stuff, I, I think that will bode really well. Um, and I'm not quite sure – and because he's not the flashy hire, a lot of people will be like, oh, flashy hire, you know, finals in a couple of years or <laughs> – but a lot of people love Dave Fisdale and not that the Knicks are ever going to get the finals anytime soon. But people like it and just, you know, you got a name and there you go. So I don't think he's going to – I think he's going to be under the radar for a little bit. And then I think, you know, the team kind of gets going. Maybe they surprise someone down in the future. But I, it's, I, think, uh, I think within the next two years, that's uh, where I'm expecting to see a couple more wins for sure at least.
2: Yeah, and and, and it, it, you know, it's interesting. I think a lot of fans wanted kind of unproven assistance, guys who who haven't been in that yeah. chair. And mm-hmm. and what I've tried to drive home is that look, I get it. I don't think Steve Clifford's going to be the coach that wins a championship with Orlando. But the bottom line is, the team just needs to be competitive again. Let's get to that yep. level. Let's let's. Mm-hmm. I, I think. I mean, and I, it, you know, maybe this is something to ask you about about how the Lightning rebuild. You can't skip steps in this process. Correct. Like, you like you, yeah. you can't go from it's it's. Very rare. It's not that it can't happen, but you're very, very likely not going to go from worst team in the NBA to championship contender unless you acquire LeBron James, unless you acquire Mm -hmm. that kind of a player. The reality is the Magic right now are a 20-so-win team. Their goal right now is to get back to winning 35, 38, 39 games, get around 500, and then from there you take the next step to 500 playoff contention, and then from there you go you keep trying to climb up that that mountain and that hill. And obviously draft lottery luck helps speed up that process. But if you don't have that luck, you know, you can't be thinking too far ahead. And honestly, that might have been one of the big mistakes that the Magic made during the last six years. Because Alex Martins was always talking, our goal is to be a championship team. And of course the goal is to be a championship team. But that those kinds of expectations, those kinds of, you know, kind of outward statements of this is where we will ultimately be, then you have to look at the roster and say, well, you're not winning a championship with Nikola Vucevic as your center. You're not winning a yeah. championship with Victor Oladipo as your number one option, and I would even say that about Indiana today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your, your, the, the, the collection that the Magic had didn't have much direction anyway, um, yeah, so you weren't sure. building toward a championship and, and you weren't getting the players that get you there. And so, you know, I, I think some people are hesitant to be in the middle of the pack in the NBA because they see that as a curse, but when you've been at the bottom for as long as the Magic have... Get there and then you can figure out how to get how to climb up. You you can yeah. climb from the middle. You can build from the middle. It's not it's not tank or you're never going anywhere. Um mm-hmm. you, you can succeed. There are different measures of success other than championships, but ultimately one day, yes, you want to win a championship, you want to compete for championships. Um but you can't you can't speed up the process, you can't force the process, and you can't um, skip steps along the way to get there. and I, yeah, and I think sure. that's what the magic kind of kind of did unfortunately over the yeah. last six years and that's what's got. because honestly, it's like it's like baseball. when you take when you take a big swing, sometimes you hit a home run, more likely you're getting a strike. and if you keep taking mm-hmm. big cuts, you're gonna strike out and when you strike yeah. out you're in you're in you're in a you're in a deep hole you're down o two. I don't know baseball well enough to say that, but down o two <laughs> it's it's tougher to find pitches to hit when you're down when you're when you're down on the count o two.
1: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Moving on a little bit more to to the Magic. Um, It's obviously draft season. We're now about two weeks, two, three weeks away from the NBA draft. Um, You you know, along these same lines, what kind of player should the Magic be looking for? Uh, you, You can even say who you like, but... What kind of players should the magic be looking forward to to establish a kind of culture that that you kind of feel they want to build
3: hmm yeah um well, you know, would you hate me if I said trey young
2: no no i <laughs> I, I i'm I'm kind of right there with you
3: i'm you know i there there's always like the this slow realization of you kind of start to think of. You know who they might draft, and then you kind of just start buying into them and putting all your eggs in that basket. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm probably I think a doing lot of people that did that last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I'm probably doing that a little bit. I do that every year. Um, but I think I, I was watching this um, this video the other day, and this is pretty boiler, boilerplate and kind of cut down, but it kind of makes sense. Um, but he said, uh, ideally, you you get a guy like Trey Young, spread the floor, play make, whatever. Um, he, he averaged, like, what, eight assists in college-ish? Um, and so, theoretically, you know, there there's a bump in your offense, right? Um, then you go to a guy like Wendell Carter, and you think, okay, maybe slight... And this is all, you know, assuming potential and ceiling and whatnot. So you think, maybe this guy kind of slightly bumps offense up, slightly helps out the defense up, right? Um, then you take a guy like Bamba, and maybe he's the polar opposite of Trey and he only escalates your defense if he doesn't ever find his offensive game. So in a really pro- probably too rudimentary, simple way of putting it that um, I-, I guess then it kind of depends on uh, of those three guys and really Mo- most probably going to go a little earlier. And um, I mean, real realistically it's just kind of looking like one Carter and Trey young. Um, I- I'm just, I'm a big fan of trade just a lot for the playmaking and the offense. It's just, because it's been so tough, um, in the last couple of years, I I think, as far as like just the marketing potential, and I think it would just help make Orlando a little relevant again. Um,
2: they definitely get a national TV game if Trey Young is on the team.
3: Yes, like, exactly. Like that.
2: That's 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 not the reason you draft a guy, but that is definitely nice. something that will happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. I I agree with you a lot on the Trey Young thing. Um. The more I've thought about, the more I've watched the NBA playoffs this year, especially, and the more I've thought about the direction that this league is heading. uh, The more I keep saying to myself, you know, it's great to have a rim protecting center, and there are some great defensive centers, but this league right now is, is so much about just warping and killing defenses. And I get the playoffs expose your every flaw, and you need. You know, have you need to get to the playoffs first, and you need to mm-hmm. have guys that play night in and night out, do their jobs, and get you there. And and there are plenty of safe picks. I think, you know, comparing Wendell Carter to Al Horford, Al Horford was probably better in college, but that that Al Horford's a good player. If if Wendell Carter is three quarters of Al Horford, that's a great player. I want that player on my team.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, but, for sure.
2: But I I I think that that's not a player you build a team around, and I think the mm-hmm. one thing that the Magic still miss is that one guy you build around. Um, yeah, they didn't think sure. it was Victor Oladipo a few years ago. Uh, whether that was right or wrong, at the time, it it didn't feel like it was completely off-base because he was coming off the bench that year and wasn't quite the player that he is. He wasn't anywhere near the player that he is today.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, but I, I keep looking at it and, and seeing centers just get played off the court, that, that, that they're not even relevant in the playoffs anymore. And again, again, I, just, I know I just had a big screed about not skipping steps, but you watch that <laughs> and it's like, okay, you're going to spend this high-value asset. Um, you know, if, uh, with, if, 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 you're, if you consider Mo Bamba, Jaron Jackson, Wendell Carter, Trey Young on a relatively even playing field, um, and it, we'll go ahead throw Michael Porter in there too, um, on a relatively even playing field, Uh, and you're watching these playoffs and you're seeing Rudy Gobert, the Defensive Player of the Year, essentially get played off the court against Houston. Um, You're seeing, essentially, Hassan Whiteside, a guy who many people consider a great rim protector and paint defender, and he's got some other issues, of course, besides that. Mm -hmm. Um, A non-factor against Joel Embiid, who's a more mobile, athletic, big, step-out-and-hit threes, Defend, defend opposing guards. Like that versatility matters in bigs, and that's what you got to look for. But at the same time, it's also about guards, about guards who can create for themselves, create shots for themselves, and suck the defense in. I mean, I watch. I mean, I I don't like continuing to compare Trey Young to Stephen Curry, but I do think Young is the first player to kind of come into the NBA as a true, you know, facsimile. A true, this is the next Steph Curry type guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. At Oklahoma, I've never, I have not, I, I have not seen a guy warp a defense the way that Trey Young warped defenses. <laughs> like he just, like every, all five players are staring directly at him, mm-hmm. uh, and and I, I forget there was a stat going around that in the last half of the season he was double or triple team more than half the time he had the ball past half court, which is just an insane amount. Yeah, and, and I think that explains some of the turnovers. Um, and so I, I keep thinking to myself. The ma- you know, you need a player at this pick, if you can get one, that will truly transform the way that you play. Aaron Gordon's a nice player, Jonathan Isaac's a nice player. They do a lot of really good things and but they still need someone to set them up. Mm-hmm. Like they're not initiators. Trey Young is an initiator. And I think that I think he fits what the Magic have already and what they want to build with. I think that you can find, I mean, Ken Birch is a perfectly acceptable and good center to have that can yeah. defend the rim and defend players on the perimeter. So I don't know if that's as big of a need as people think it is. Um, it, obviously, if you can get a better version or, I mean, I, I don't think, if, if you think that, if you don't believe in Trey Young, then you shouldn't draft him. If the Magic, conclu- I mean, I conclude that I think Trey Young is a very, very good player. I was talking with someone today about him. Um, he's along the Damian Lillard, Kemba Walker spectrum. Um, yeah, it, like I could agree like with that. Like, if 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 he reaches just that level, that's that's really good.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm, um, yeah,
2: I, I mean, d- just because he doesn't become Steph Curry, Steve Nash, like he wants to, doesn't mean he can't be Kemba Walker, Damian Lillard, which would be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, like, I, I I was in a mock draft. I don't know if it, it, it won't be published by the time this air this air. So preview to to that. I was in a mock draft and I had Mo Bamba and Trey Young left to me, hmm. and I. Of it, I, I mean, I kept thinking about it. Um, I like Mobamba a lot, but I took Trey Young, yeah, because I, I felt like the Magic needed that kind of push offensively, and they can cover for him defensively. He's going to struggle defensively. I, I don't think anyone's getting around that. But, mm-hmm. I, but Steph Curry ain't the best defender either. Certainly not when he entered the, the league. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I, I just I felt like. I just feel like Young has that transformative quality about him, and that that's why I, I lean toward Young at the moment. Uh, that that could change, um, but um I I I'm, I don't know about you, but I really like the Magic's options at six, regardless of, of who they end up taking.
3: Yeah, no, for sure, and I I I'm, I totally agree with you because if you're looking at you know future team identity and what you're trying to accomplish with this team if you just look at the player personnel now it just makes more sense because you know like you said we love aaron gordon but he's just not really the guy and it's he's kind of trying to be the guy and it's just not quite working out and i think he would become a better player if you open up with trey there i i think i just the whole floor just i think it gives, I, it just it gives makes everyone much more space. More sense. Yeah, he just, yeah. I
2: mean, like I said, he he warps defenses because he's really. I mean, he's a. I mean, I, I think I've been trying very very hard, and I've probably been failing at this. In this draft process, I I want to talk more about what guys can do rather than what they can't do because it's easy to say what they can't do. Yeah, and there are plenty of things that I worry about with Trey Young. The turnovers are a concern, not as much because I think he was doubled a lot more than would be normal in the NBA. Um, I think young struggles, struggled a little bit to finish at the rim, which is, which is definitely a concern. Uh, and, uh, you know, my pet peeve of all pet peeves, I'm a lefty. And so I get annoyed when players can't go left, um, (laughs) even though that's not their dominant hand, uh, and I Mm -hmm. can't go right. So I'm, you know, throwing bricks and glass houses. Um, but, uh, so if you ever play me on the court, uh, play me on a basketball court, I can't, I don't go right. Just force me right. And you'll beat me. I'm constantly (laughs) trying to get back to my left hand. Um, Trey Young does not go to his left at all. Like he, like it. it, it once you see it, you can't unsee it, and it, and it, and it annoys you. But that doesn't mean he can't develop it. That doesn't mean he can't get better mm-hmm. at it. And what he does do is he's a really gifted passer. Like I don't think we yeah, talk about how sure. good his passing is enough. I think his shooting covers up how good his passing is. Um, he is a great shooter. He is uh, you know, Steph Curry range shooter. Um, he's a smart basketball player, and and I think it's it's easy to forget that because yeah. of all the attention he's received. And in and, and this world, when you get a lot of attention, people are trying to poke holes in your balloon.
3: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And what you said about passing, like uh, going back to Eric Gordon again, I mean, he you know he puts up 40 sometimes, he'll put up 16, and sometimes he has those games where he just puts up some really errant shots. And you got to imagine the that, that there's shots. Yeah, exactly. And you, you imagine you take that away and a lot of those errors, I mean ideally w- would be decreased because he just has less opportunities to do that. So you open the space, you put in an excellent passer, in, and uh, foreseeably that he would be getting more open looks and being a- a way more efficient. So I-, I just think that's a win-win. You're untapping a lot of other players' potentials by instituting Trey Young at the, uh, yeah. one.
2: And I don't even think that gets into Evan Fournier, another guy who probably had the ball yeah. in his hands a little bit too much, who honestly worked his best, I thought, playing off of Victor Oladipo. Uh, and his mm-hmm. drives and his his attacking and and I think you get a lot more balance that way that way too. Um, let, let's not make this all about Trey Young though. Um, <laughs> outside of him, I mean, yeah, I mean, you talked a little about Wendell Carter. Like, what is I mean, what is the big thing coming out of this summer? Let's 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 pull the scope back that far. The draft, free agency, the coaching staff is obviously taken care of now. Um, what is the big thing the magic need to accomplish this summer to make 2019 successful, whether, however you want to define success. I don't think the magic are thinking playoffs in 2019, but, um, what is it, what is it that they need to accomplish this summer to, to kind of build that culture and establish what they want to establish this, this year?
3: Yeah. Um, I think it's just setting the foundation of what this team wants to be and what, what they want to look to be doing. Um, and I think it's, it's a little too much to me to say, hey, we want to make this many wins this year or um, have this many home wins or make the playoffs. You know, probably not a foreseeable thing this year. Um, but just letting all the players be on the same basis, same idea, holding each other everyone holding each other accountable um, and just creating that, that locker room mentality uh, of being a successful team. And I think it just really starts there. Um, so as far as... You know, as far as acquisitions go with off season and with the draft and stuff, you know, I can't really imagine too many moves here and there. I mean, obviously, the six uh, overall will, will be huge, but I can't imagine too many other moves off of that that could be made that would really drastically change this team appearance right now. Um, so I think really now it's just it's up to the players and that they all understand this is this is the new guy with Clifford. This is the front office, you know, that this is the guy they want. And now we're in the kind of the new era and it's kind of now to put up or shut up and let's get to the grind, I guess.
2: Yeah. It sounds like, sounds like this is the year to to, to set a standard and, and get the team kind of back on uh, the right footing here. Um, Mm -hmm. Zach, uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, Where can, where can everyone find you on, on the interwebs?
3: Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Bethel hub. That's my handle. (laughs) That's a uh, that's pretty much what pretty much it just just the Twitter life.
2: Yep, uh, and Zach of course writes for Orlando Magic Daily. You can check out his work there. Um, do you also still you still write
3: for Raw Charge? Uh, it's pretty o- semi occasionally um, <laughs> <laughs> when I can. That's there the blog a lot life, of, man. It it is it is. There are a lot of really wonderful writers there though that are writing all the time. Um, my managing editor Tanya, she just uh, retired from the position, so. Shout out to her; cause she's great. Uh, but yeah, Tanya. You're, you're Tanya brought- is the
2: best. I've worked. I worked she, with her when she she'd come in and cover the Solar Bears occasionally. Mm-hmm, um, so yep, Tanya. Tanya's great. amazing. Uh, uh, I'm sure whoever is taking over for her has big shoes to fill. <laughs>
3: <laughs> hopefully, uh, yeah, my friend Alan. Hopefully, uh, he's the interim, I guess, currently. But depends on whether. All the schematics man. Whether he can get or not, but go read Raw Charge. You're great stuff over there. Yeah,
2: if you if you want to learn more about the Tampa Bay Lightning, check out Raw Charge. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure they're the preeminent Lightning blog out there. I I follow them uh, occasionally when I need to to get my Lightning fix. Um, hopefully the Lightning will be coming back to Orlando. Um, I I, I I'm a Lightning yeah. fan. I got my Bolts jersey. Um, I was, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of lightning fan that was confused why fans were booing Martin St. Louis when he came in with the New York Rangers. Um, <laughs> cause I'm that far out of the loop, but, uh, but I'd like to, I, I still don't get why the lightning don't come to Orlando every few years for an exhibition game. I'm sure the Amway Center would love to have them. I'm sure the yeah, Solar sure. Bears wouldn't mind having them. Um, and I also think the Solar Bears wouldn't mind being the lightning's affiliate, but that's, that's another question <laughs> for another day. Um, but, uh. Uh, definitely check out Raw Charge uh, for your lightning fix. Um, um, their off season's just getting started. The Stanley Cup Final closing uh, or getting near its end. Washington Capitals up three one in the series. Do the Capitals close it out in Game Five?
3: Um, no, no. Okay,
2: this let's going to six. The Washington, <laughs> the Washington, you're 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 killing those DC fans. You know that.
3: <laughs> I mean. They uh they've gotten this far. They can they'll live with it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I think they can they can taste it and they they don't want the rug pulled out from under them. But That's uh, true
3: cuz what I mean what other team this is the destiny of Vegas. I mean I I wouldn't want to be up 3-1 against Vegas. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and 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 the memes, oh oh the precious oh, the, memes, oh, the, the precious memes are good. <laughs> memes. um but yeah, definitely uh game, game 5 of the Stanley Cup final is June 7th, so that is Friday night. For some reason, they decided to go up against the NBA Finals once again. But that's neither here nor there. Um, that's going to do it for me. You can, of course, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, tune in, all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast, enable listening device. Just search for Locked On Magic. You can find us on Twitter at Locked On Magic. So let's check out our website, LockedOnMagic.com. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Our draft profile series continues. I was at Kevin Knox's workout on Wednesday. I'll have a report on that up on the site. Um, you can also check out uh, the site on Twitter at omagicdaily. Follow me on Twitter at underscore OMD. And, of course, the latest on the NBA Finals, check out Locked On Cavs, Locked On Warriors, and Locked On NBA. Those should be downloaded to your podcast-enabled listening device every single day for the latest on the NBA Finals, along with, of course, Locked On Magic. But that's going to do it for me. For Zach, I've been Philip Reich of Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic.
1: You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.